the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live, hour two of our show today. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can call and join the conversation at 888-528-2557. There's a lot of things that are going on in the world today. There were elections across the country yesterday that uh, have some impact that maybe we'll talk about. Maybe you want to think about those things. Locally, of course, and I think depending on who you are, lots of people have been talking about the passing of Vin Scully. And uh, if you've got a story to tell, a memory, a favorite uh, event that has something to do with Vin Scully, today's a good day to call. If you just are feeling emotional about that, feeling like you want to share, give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. LA Times has an article today talking about this and many stories that people are sharing. And uh, one Angelino uh, shared this story. She got on a bus from, it says Skid Row, to go up to Dodger Stadium last night to lay flowers and to pray at the memorial that is over there. And she says, I fell in sports. I fell in love with sports because of my dad and my brother and Vin Scully. And I think that as we think about why uh, he is, his death has impacted us quite a bit. We talked about that a lot in the last hour and I encourage you to get the podcast. I think it was a really good hour. We had Pastor Sean Thornton from uh, Community uh, Calvary Community Church in Westlake and uh, who knew Vin Scully, and shared about his faith and his commitment to to Christ. And um, it was a great insight, I think, into his life. And what I think is important for us to to look at is what kinds of things inspire us to be more like believers. Like, what should that really look like? Um you know, and, and, you know, I'm a pastor by uh, by trade. That's what I've been for 25 years. I've been on the radio for quite a while now. But, you know, you, you take events sometimes and you turn them into, you know, object lessons. Uh, my kids know far too much about that because I tell too many stories about things that they've done that are probably embarrassing growing up. And I say, well, my dad's a pastor and he did that to me. So now you have to join in that family tradition. My kids are the fifth generation to hear the words of Vin Scully. My son, James, yesterday I was playing uh, uh, some of the the famous clips, and he said, I remember that voice. And I said, yeah, that's Vin Scully. He passed away. And I, it, it's, I was happy about that because I was, uh, I was intent on actually making sure that he knew who Vin Scully was. I knew that Vin Scully was getting older, and I knew that – you know, I felt like anyway, that there's something important uh, that way. And so uh, I played uh, lots of things for him. I made sure that he listened to Dodger games and he's not, baseball's not his favorite sport. He's a basketball guy, but uh, he even felt moved by that. How are you feeling about it? Give me a call, 888-528-2557 if you have any memories or thoughts or things that you can learn or share about uh, Vin Scully, as we think about this together, you know, one of the things that I think is important for all of us to be able to do is to be able to 
rise to the occasion when difficult times happen, when somebody dear to us dies or when there is a tragedy that might be personal or a national tragedy of different kinds, I think that it is worthy of us to be able to rise to that occasion. And the way you do it is you focus on Christ. You focus on our hope always being in Christ and that we should always move on. And I think that was something else that I always liked about Vin Scully. One of my favorite things that he ever did um, was after 9-11, and I I keep remarking about this, that some of you don't remember 9-11, that if you're 25, 26, 27, you don't really have a memory of that. It's been that long now. And it's been in the news, of course, with uh, President Biden announcing the killing of Al Zawahiri, and and it sort of refreshes some of our memory for those of us who are around. But when 9-11 happened, it was a Tuesday, and everything shut down. Airports shut down. The, the world shut down. And it was surreal. We knew the world had changed. You hear people today talk about how uh, there is September 10th thinking and there's September 12th thinking, that the way we should approach the world, the way we live our life, it changed on that day. Um, and it's not coming back. You know, hopefully we get some sense of that freedom back, but I don't think so. You know, I hope we get some of it. I think we've, you know, obviously we've recovered to a certain degree, but it's not the same world that we live in. And yet we needed to be encouraged to to move forward. One of the, there's obviously a lot of great memories that people have of games that they heard called or other things. But one of the things I always liked about Ben Scully is that he was able to rise to the occasion for big issues or small issues to really connect and help us be in a place uh, where we needed to be. He was very pastoral in that case. I've been asking myself a lot why um, do we feel, do so many people feel such a loss today? And I think that's why in, in many ways there, he was a guy who we needed to hear from. People who went to the ball games in the day when you brought your transistor radio with you, you brought that with you in Los Angeles. And it was said that, that even if you saw the play with your own eyes, it didn't really happen until Vin Scully said it happened until you heard him describe what you had just seen in such colorful detail Well, when 9-11 happened, baseball was gone for a few days, and about a week later it came back, and this is what he had to say. Good evening, and welcome to Dodger Stadium. All of us have experienced a litany of emotions, whether it would be shock, disbelief, and horror, followed by grief, mourning, and anger. All of us indeed have lost a lot. We have lost thousands of lives. We have lost some of our self-confidence. We have lost some of our freedom. And certainly, we have lost a way of life. The President of the United States has said it is time to go back to work. And so, despite a heavy heart, baseball gets up out of the dirt, brushes itself off, and will follow his command, hoping in some small way to inspire the nation to do the same. All of the ballplayers in the major leagues are wearing the American flag. Out of patriotism, yes. Out of love of country, yes but more so out of duty and of courage and to pronounce a national firmness of will. God bless us in our efforts. God bless America. It was a, a moment where, you know, I think Vince Scully doesn't have speechwriters. I think As you know, he comes up with that. He comes up with that on his own. And... Uh, 
I think that's an, a, an amazing thing to do. And I think that, you know, if he had Christ in his heart, which I think he did, I think it helps us look forward, even though dark things, difficult things happen. Are you able to look forward in your life, even though difficult things happen? Are you able to see what kinds of uh, hope that you can have, even when everything seems to be hopeless? You know, I think that another thing, if you are spending some time watching the Vin Scully, and I'll confess, I'm down the the, the rabbit trail, the rabbit hole of Vin Scully. I, I was up really late watching videos and old, you know, games, uh, games that maybe if you're a, really a fan, you would remember. And the great thing about the Internet, but also the terrible thing is that you can stay up all night Googling your whole life and it's probably on there. Somebody has, has filmed it. But I think one of the things that you you look at is how do these things even transcend into history? And baseball has been a big part of that. Vince Scully being the announcer for the Dodgers since 1950, that's longer than most of us have been alive. He's always been there and he has seen so many things. My favorite player growing up was Fernando Valenzuela. And I was maybe 10 years old, nine years old when he came up to the big leagues. And if you were around then, and you would go to a ball game. It was magnificent. I've, there's never been an era better, in my opinion, than what was called Fernando Mania when he came up to the big leagues. And as a little kid, I, I, you know, he was just another player to me at first. I didn't understand that there was such a a social need for a a Mexican player to make the big leagues and do so well. That there was such a important part, particularly to uh, Mexican community in the United States and especially in Los Angeles. So there had been a lot of hurt with uh, some things in the past with the building of Dodger Stadium and Chavez Ravine and removing people from their homes there. There's a story that's not uh, the best story. You can read all about that or study it. There's a great show. I think it's on ESPN or one of those uh, networks about Fernando Mania and what it meant. Eventually, I got that. We were friends with the owners uh, and people who worked at a Mexican restaurant in Palmdale. I think one of the versions of it is still there. It's uh, El Toreo. And I think the one we went to all the time has been torn down. But I remember being in there and they had posters everywhere of Fernando. Everywhere. And if Fernando was pitching and on the TV, you may not have gotten your order. Everybody was watching and you didn't care. My dad got to know everybody working there because they all played soccer on the weekends. And my dad, they hired him to be the the soccer referee, and he refereed their games. So we'd go in there and eat usually Sunday after church. That was kind of our routine. And we would know everybody, and all the waiters would come up to him and say hello. And uh, it was then where I kind of learned that there is more to Fernando than just my nine-year-old, 10-year-old enjoyment of his pitching and enjoyment of the games. And the games were just great. Every time he pitched, sellout crowd, People just packed, and I'll I'll never forget that. It was such a great thing. Well, being that he was my favorite player, uh, he did well for a while. This was an era that's different in baseball. Now, you know, they, they take you out if you've thrown 101 pitches and uh, preserve your arm. I understand that. But back in Fernando's era, you might throw 250 pitches. It doesn't matter. You just keep pitching. And But for a, a screwball pitcher that really is – it puts more strain on your arm. You got to twist your arm a little bit. You're going to have a shorter career when you do that. And I felt really bad because his career was really great for a while. Then he was struggling. 
1990, I was um, maybe 18 or 19, and you knew that his career wasn't what it what you thought. You knew that his time with the Dodgers probably was ending, and you know if you grew up with him, you felt bad about that. You rooted for him all the time. In fact, when he went to other teams, he had some success for a couple of years with other teams, and it was so exciting to see that. I loved him. And when he became the the Spanish language announcer for the Dodgers, along with uh, Jaime Irene, that was such a great thing. Even though um, I I took French, unfortunately, and I can't listen to that broadcast. Um, it's great to know when you go to the ballpark today. For me, that he's sitting there, that he's still a part of the organization. It's a great thing. Anyway, in 1990, he threw a no hitter, and it kind of came out of the blue. There's a funny story about it where he joked with somebody and said, "Oh, I'm going to go out and throw a no hitter," and he did, and I got to tell you what, here's how it went at the end of that. Fernando ready in the strike two pitch is hit back to the box, dribbling to second. Samuel on the bag, close to first double play. Fernando Valenzuela has pitched a no hitter at 10-17 in the evening of June the 29th, 1990. If you have a sombrero, throw it to the sky. It's those words at the end. If you have a sombrero, throw it to the sky. You know where I was when that happened? I was sitting in my parents' living room. I had just gone to college. I was back for the summer. It was June. And I was sitting by myself. My parents went to bed. And my sister must have been around, but she might have been in bed already. And I just remember being by myself, and I was so excited And deep in my heart, I wished that I had a sombrero to throw to the sky. But I knew what an important social comment that was for so many people. And in fact, as I've watched the news the last couple of days, so many of you have, that so many people have been interviewed. This is the clip that has come up, I think, the most. And I think it's because there is, for so many of us, a recognition that we can be successful even in the, the face of adversity, that there can be progress and moving forward, even in hard issues that are related to race, which we're struggling so much with now. Somebody said that Vin Scully could take contests and turn them into conversations, which I think is another skill for us as believers to be able to do that. We want to be able to take difficult issues that are in the world that are real and be able to have conversations, be able to point out what is true, what is the reality about those situations, and be able to help everybody move forward. You know, if you are, as a, a Christian, you're listening to Southern California Live, by the way. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. As a believer— and I'm looking at the politics, and I am looking at yesterday's election results. And in Kansas, for example, a very deep red state, a state that Donald Trump won in 2020 by 16 or 17 points, something like that. Um, the abortion amendment to the Constitution fails. And there's lots of different reasons and lots of different things. Um, you know, politically, why the state would want to keep abortion legal. And people are remarking about that today and talking about it. But one of the things I think that for for us to think about with issues like that is that we need to make this not a contest. Issues like abortion or poverty or race or economics or our faith, that 
we are not living in a world that is a game to see who gets to win the election and then force the other side to believe whatever it is we believe. We need to be people who can take a contest and turn it back into a conversation. We need to be a a people who realize that what's on the human heart is ultimately what, how things get changed, how things get done, how our hearts are able to have that conversation, to love one another in such a way that we can hear them, even when they have a different opinion or even harder, a different perspective, a different worldview, and to come someplace and realize that actually through Christ, through the the central idea, the central belief in Jesus Christ, that we're all made in the image of God, that we all fall short of the glory of God, that there, that's where our equality is, that's where our equity is, that is where every human being and every culture on earth has something in common, that we need a Savior, that we're longing for a Savior. Every, every culture is looking for a Savior, and every culture has done it in different ways, and the one of the differences of Christianity from any other faith or philosophy is that God himself came to tell us who he is. That it isn't just some guy showing up and starting a religion or some philosopher coming in and starting a political movement, that the founder of our faith is God himself. That's what we believe, that the founder of our faith isn't a guy who heard something from God. The founder of our faith is Jesus Christ, who came, who lived a perfect life who we are supposed to, that we are supposed to live and can't. He did it for us, and we get credit for that. And he came and he had conversations about things that people were struggling so much to have conversations about all the hard issues. Economics, should we pay taxes or not? Um, Render under Caesar. And there's so much richness in that and so many different ways that that conversation should go. About race, uh, are we allowed to talk to the Samaritan woman at the well who has got multiple husbands? Um, Yes, we are. We We don't sacrifice truth. We don't hinge and trim the sails on our faith or what is true, but we can love people. And I think that something that we can take out of all of this stuff that we're going to hear about, and it's a game, baseball is a game. I think that we can think a little deeper and go, you know what, there is a way for us to take what is a game, which politics in many ways has become a game. You know, if you're watching, if you're keeping score, do people keep score in baseball anymore? I used to do that. I used to keep the thing there and keep score. If you're keeping score, then maybe there's something deeper that you need to do. See, if all you're doing is keeping score, the Republicans won these races and the Democrats won these races and the progressive won these races and the MAGA people won these races and whoever Trump endorsed won these and lost these and whoever was running uh, against Trump won these and lost these. And it seems like there's just a big scorecard. When I go to the newspaper and I read all of these different things from these elections, it's just a scorecard. I believe for us as believers, we need to do this simple thing and take things that are a competition, things that are a game, and turn them into conversations. And this is how we get to the heart of people. You know, with the abortion issue, if you're feeling like um, there's just a loss because of uh, a vote that happened in a red state that went the other way, there's lots of politics with that and, and uh, you know, lots of trickery and those kinds of things that happen. But we have to remember that at the end of the day, all of this is about the heart of the person that Jesus didn't come and ask us to change everybody's mind about every issue. He told us to make disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And then the Spirit of God starts to change minds. The Word of God is what changes minds and hearts. That people who really see Jesus as their Savior, if you really believe that Jesus is your Savior, then a couple of things are going to happen. One is you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And that means that the entire nature of your conscience and how you think is going to change. And there's going to be a certain kind of spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things are, those are things that we develop then. That if you really believe that Jesus died for you, that he lived the perfect life that you can't live, that he died in your sins, the, the spiritual angst that you have, the guilt that you have, however you define your spiritual place, it got placed on the cross and nailed there to Jesus. He became that sin. He died taking a penalty that you and I deserve. And the scriptures teach us that if you believe in him, your penalty is paid for, that you'll be clothed with the righteousness of Christ and that he rose again from the dead, not symbolically, but for real. And people saw him and people ate with him and there were eyewitnesses everywhere and a bunch of guys who had no political power, who had no money, changed the entire world because they taught that Jesus Christ was crucified and died for our sins and rose again on the third day. If you believe that, it'll start to change your world, and it'll change the way you approach people, and you'll start to see things as much more, much less about contests, about winning and losing, and rather about changing hearts and loving. That's who we need to be. You're listening to Southern California Live. Our number is 888-528-2557. One of the things on our mind today is the passing of Vin Scully. And we're talking about some different things that are uh, on our minds today related to to that. And if you've got some thoughts about that, please give us a call. You can call right now, 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. I'm Scott Farrow. I'll be right back as the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Uh, singing Wind Beneath My Wings, uh, that's not Bette Midler, that's Vin Scully. Uh, that was his favorite song. And, you know, I don't, you know, he he's Vin Scully, he can do what he wants. He can go out and record Wind Beneath My Wings. That's what he sang to the crowd at Dodger Stadium on his last game that he called at Dodger Stadium uh, a few years ago. And really what it was was a a beautiful tribute to his wife, uh, to his family, and to the fans. He was somebody who understood that without the fans, he doesn't have a job, right? That as much as he meant to us, uh, we meant a lot to him. And that's that's what a relationship is supposed to be, right? It goes both ways. That's relationship. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Uh, Fillmore in Culver City, welcome to Southern California Live. Well, thank you very much. Um, I was listening to you uh, about a week or so ago, and then kind of lost track and was dialing in today and was listening. Uh, and then I, too, will miss Vin Scully. Yeah. Um, Vin, uh, I started listening to the – well, first of all, I was six years old when the when the Dodgers uh, hired uh, – Jackie Robinson, and I follow the Dodgers. Frankly, I'm still a Brooklyn Dodger fan today, <laughs> if that's possible. Sure. But I, I uh, followed the Dodgers. And so I think at the time, Red Barber was the announcer. And then in 1950, I think when Scully took over. Yeah. 
and, and I, I certainly will listen because I don't think it, it's difficult for me to hear a Dodger game without hearing Vin Scully's voice. And as much as as a child and all through adult, I, I loved the Dodger game. So win or loss, I was a Dodger. Yeah. And, and I, I loved to hear his voice. And his voice really uh, uh, you know, made, made the difference in listening to, to uh, a Dodger game. So he, I will miss him. He really made it a special experience. You know, I think even if you weren't into the game as much, he really, I think what he did was he helped people understand the game actually better. Yes, he did. Yeah, I know he helped me understand the game. Yeah, and his passion, his passion for the Dodgers. I think Red Barber had some passion too, but Vince Kelly's passion was enormous. Yes, and he, he could really keep your focus on the game with the way he expressed himself, with his ability to articulate things going on in the game, was just fascinating. And you, and know, I, 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 I will miss him. I haven't heard anybody, but and because I'm biased, uh-huh. I haven't heard anybody. Uh, uh, talk about a game, a basketball, uh, excuse me, a baseball game, like he did. I don't. I think he was the highest echelon. I think. Yeah, I think that's why everybody says he's the best there's ever been. Uh, yeah. And it's no offense yeah. to Joe Davis or the guys who are doing it now. Or there's some no, great no. people in other teams too, but there's no Vince Scully. But one of the reasons why I called is I'm have concern. You know, I'm a Christian also. But I'm a, uh, I am a uh, liberal Christian, and, you know, most conservative Christians think that liberal Christians are some kind of oxymoron. Uh-huh. And, and I, I'm a, I've always been a liberal Christian. I will be a liberal Christian for the rest of my life. And I, nothing has convinced me. Uh, I'm, I, I, being African-American, I understand the principle of conservatism, because African-Americans had to be conservative. We had no choice. Mm-hmm. So we understand that. But <clears throat> what we see in liberalism is a kind of a freedom that's not expressed in, in conservatism, and the kind of freedom that we admire, we lust for, is found in that. What? And I was really excited to hear uh, the, the guy from Indiana, Rudy Judge, when he announced that he was a liberal Christian. It's the first I'd heard of any politician saying they were a liberal Christian. And unfortunately, he you know, he wrapped his neck around the issue of gay, of being gay, and I thought that was going to bring bring him down. But I'm 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 a liberal Christian, and, and I'm looking for an audience to discuss my position. That because uh, you talked about civ, uh, civil conversation, yeah. That what we, what we need to get to is is a respect for each other and respect for each other's disagreements. And we are not there yet. We're nowhere near yet. There's a force that doesn't want that to happen. Mm. So we wind up not listening to each other. Yeah. We... So if you can if you can help build a pathway to civil discussion on this subject, we might get back to where we need to be. Well, I think we can try to do that. Let me ask you something. When you say you're a liberal Christian, um, what do you mean? Because I think that over you know over time, words like liberal or conservative uh, they can they can change in meaning depending on who's saying it or who's hearing it. Um, and now we have like progressive or leftist or you know different uh, people on the right. What does it mean to you to be a liberal? Uh, what does liberalism mean to you? Well, I, I really. <clears throat> When Jesus says, "If you know the truth, the truth will, will make you free," that's the freedom I'm talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. That I think is offered in the liberal viewpoint. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
by the way, I've, I've been tested positive for COVID, so I'm home here. Oh. I, um, I <laughs> okay. You take care of yourself. Yeah, that's, I haven't. And the symptoms have been very mild, so I'm not really. All right, that's good. But the, <clears throat> the freedom, <clears throat> excuse me, the freedom in Christ is well established in what I call liberalism. Liberalism is is the willingness and the desire not to bind anyone else, that we're all free. That if you want to go even further back, what God really wanted at the start of all of this was someone to have the freedom. Are you there? The freedom to what? You dropped off for a second there. The freedom to what? The freedom of loving him and obeying him uh-huh. uh, of, their, of their own will. Yeah. And and nothing should compromise that freedom, <clears throat> excuse me, of people loving him from their own will, because that's what all of this is about. He created all of this to find someone he wanted to spend eternity with. But he wanted this creature to have the freedom of their own will to love him. Yeah. So all the things that I think that the right does, because the right is upset about the godless, and the right wants to control and bind the godless, the uh, the the, 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 uh, the people, <clears throat> excuse me, the people that are, that are concerned about the life of in the womb want to bind women into doing what they think God wants them to do. God never asked them to do that. There's nowhere in the scriptures that Jesus said to bind the ungodly, to make the ungodly do anything. Our job is three things. One, witness to the, witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Testify how good God has been to us. And the most important thing is to live the life of example, which draws people to Christ when they see the Christ in us. Nowhere in there is the Hyde Amendment. Nowhere in there is any trying to make trying to make people murderers and 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 uh, thieves, the mm-hmm. murderers. Oh, there's no way in there Jesus said to do anything about that. Uh, Paul talked about that in Revelation, uh, in, the, in Romans chapter 13, as to how that's supposed to happen. Our job is to do those three things. In uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 19, tells us to go forth and preach the gospel, baptizing, and preach the gospel doesn't say anything about setting, uh, uh, regulating how women control their bodies. Nothing that's in that. All right, hold and on a second. Way. Hold on a second. I and uh, I appreciate uh, what you're saying, but I want to clarify something. The reason I asked you about what does liberalism mean to you is I kind of wanted to see where you're coming from because you, for some people, liberalism in a Christian sense means that you don't believe that the Bible is necessarily true. That doesn't sound like what you're where you're coming from. No, that's not where I'm from. So you're not a theological liberal. You're talking more of a classical American political liberal. Mm, with the I, with the idea that we don't legislate morality. Kind of. You can't you can't legislate morality anyway because if people won't obey, if man won't obey God's law, what makes you think he's going to obey yeah. his own? Do you think uh, that um, there is room for? Um, a person who thinks the way you think, and um, a person who feels like um, there's some role for the government, particularly in issues of abortion, in, in the, I, to use the opposite term, I guess, conservative point of view, 
uh, might be that the reason to restrict abortion is because the unborn child has constitutional rights as a human being. That's what they would say. That's exactly what someone who wants to bind the the uh, behavior of other people do. They frame their argument in a way that makes it an argument on the sanctity of human life, mm-hmm. why human life is different from animal life and all of that sort of stuff. But you see, the life that God, the Father, cares about more than anything else is our spiritual life. That's the life that he sent Jesus here for us to die for. Do you think... I'm going to have to take a break in a minute, so I want to try to bring us to a, a point here. And I really appreciate uh, your calling here, because I think that one of the, the ways that we're going to have better conversation about issues like this is if we can understand that there's a lot of nuance, even in, in terms. Because when I'm hearing you, you don't sound like a leftist to me, um, who I think also wants to restrict speech in particular, and they want to restrict, uh, you know, to sort of undo um a um, the way everything works um would you say that you know and one of the things that i'm talking about when i brought up the abortion uh vote in kansas is that mm-hmm. if we and i guess i should ask you this question where you're coming from do you personally believe that the choice to have an abortion is morally wrong like is is that unborn child a individual human being that life is being taken is that what you believe you just don't think the government should say yes or no? <clears throat> no here, here's what I believe. We as Christians, I'm as a Christian, I don't, I, I, I don't recommend my children or my family or anybody to have an abortion. I, I would never do that. But uh, so you think morally it's a wrong choice that the way? Hold on, hold on. I just I got to take a break, so I want to try to just. You would say that you you would say it's morally wrong, but the government shouldn't be involved in that decision. Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's absolutely. It's, 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 it's the way that we tell the world we're different. I don't do that because I'm Christian. I see. You know, you, you're free to do whatever you want, yeah. but as a Christian, and then when they continue to do, you, you, you tell them you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you offer them that. That's what Jesus would do. Okay, Fillmore, I, I have to take a break. I have to go to commercial, but I appreciate your call, and I want to encourage you to, to call and keep listening, because I think that the more people call with some different things, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think and things like that, I think that there is a place for us to understand each other better, and I think where you're coming from is maybe not as far off from where a lot of people who might even call themselves conservatives or libertarians would think. Actually, um, can you help me get to that place? Can and, you help uh, me get to that place? And we can help do that. Fillmore, I'm going to pray for you because you're sick. And uh, God, I pray for Fillmore that you'd take away his COVID, that these symptoms would go away, that he would not have any long term results and he'd get back to full health. We thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Fillmore, for calling. I got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888 528 2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888 LA Talks. Scott Furr will be right back with the Wednesday edition of Southern California. California Live. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. Scott Furrow with you. Today we have been uh, we've been talking about Vin Scully and uh, his passing and what that means, but also what we can learn. And one of the things Vin Scully was able to do was 
take a competition and turn it into a conversation. He would he would have a conversation about uh, just about anything um, that I think for some people it would be a really tough conversation, and then for other people, um, he would take a hard issue and just be able to lay it out there, and people would listen and maybe have conversation about it. It's a practice that we need to do if we want to make progress and uh, move forward, I think. And we had a caller, Phil Moore, who was right before the break, and he talked about his view of being what he called a liberal Christian. And I I think terms like that uh, we have to be real careful with because they mean different things. For a lot of people in the theological world, liberal means you don't believe the Bible's true ultimately, and maybe you reject anything in the Bible that's supernatural, or maybe you reject parts of the Bible that are moral but seem to you to be outdated. Um, His position was more, uh, I almost want to say... uh, libertarian in that uh, he just kind of wants the government out of decisions. But he was talking about abortion, of course, which is one of the most controversial ones of our time and one that we're going to have to deal with. Um, and uh, uh, let me get to the calls, and we'll probably keep talking about that. Yv- Yvette in Santa Monica, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, Yvette? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I um, appreciate uh, the African-American gentleman who called it a few minutes ago, Fillmore. Um, who says claims he is liberal, and I was so glued to the, the trying to understand what an African American liberal believes because I'm an African American conservative, mm. and um, I just take the term conservative lightly because I'm first of all a Christian who happens to be African American, who happens to be a woman who happens to lean conservative. First yeah. and foremost, I am a Christian, and I identify myself, first and foremost, when I open my mouth, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I take scriptures to heart that say, like in Isaiah five twenty, Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil. Woe unto me if I call something that, I, that God says is morally wrong good. Or even if I say the government should not stand up for something that the Bible says is is morally wrong. And I think as an African-American with the issue of slavery, if someone had, if some white person uh, 200 years ago hadn't stood up and said, the Bible says this kind of slavery is morally wrong, I'm going to stand with God and call this evil evil. And and just the way we identify ourselves, and, and because... Oh, great. My, my um, parents lived in a different era where they didn't maybe have as much uh, uh, ability to identify with uh, their outside of their racial group. Because first and foremost, the first thing people see about us is we're African-Americans so and make assumptions. And the second thing is he said the government shouldn't be involved and that people should be free to do whatever they want to do. And I agree with that libertarian aspect of life to a limited degree. When you want to do something that's illegally or just damaging to a child or to a woman or whatever, then I believe the government should step in, and that's what law enforcement does. Mm. Well, and I so think that that's just, where a lot of the issue is, is that do in an issue like abortion or other stuff is do we truly believe that that unborn child has value that is equal to that of another human being? And, exactly. And if so, what does a civilized society do? Right. And one last thing, to assume that being black makes you liberal is a, something I have to take issue with 
the Fillmore's because no, 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 no. My great great grandfather was conservative. My uh, parents were conservative Christians. So just because we're born black doesn't associate us fundamentally with liberalism. All right, you bet. That's all I, I have to say. All right, I appreciate your call. Thank you for for listening and adding that to the conversation. I'm not sure that Fillmore necessarily said that everybody who's black is liberal, but um, and I know that's a big conversation in the black community today. Um, and, um, I think a good one for any, any group of people to be having is, you know, am I free to believe what I want to believe? Uh, freedom is a, a very interesting conversation, especially when you have to deal with when does my freedom interfere with the freedom of somebody else and which freedoms are more important? Um, life certainly is a freedom that is the most important. And so that's that's what it gets down to. That's why in the abortion argument, you have so many people who just say, well, it's not a child, it's just a clump of cells. You know, we're all a clump of cells, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but that's really where the argument is. Today, in scientific terms today, does the unborn child have less value as a human being, and it is a human being from every way of looking at it, than the mom who has to carry this unborn child? And uh, it is a very important question that our country is going to have to deal with. And to deal with it in a way where we don't just tear each other apart, we're going to have to have good conversation about it. 888-528-2557. Ted from the City of Angels. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, man. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Uh, definitely Ted, City of the Angels, born and raised. Um, just wanted to comment that I, God bless that gentleman for having enough guts even though he was sick, to step up and speak his mind. That's what this country is about, freedom of speech. Mm. But he's talking about what Jesus did, does or does not want us to do. And he clearly said, obey all laws of the land. Yeah. So let's come full circle. Is it murder or is it not? Do you let a baby on the table die because the, because the woman doesn't want the child? That is murder. It also says, thou shall not murder. So where does, where does the buck fall here? I mean, we we need to get things in perspective here. Uh, if we're going to start quoting what Jesus said, obey all laws of the land. There's no law in the world that says that we have to be married with a certificate. Nobody says that. But we do get married uh, uh, with God and leave uh, our parents' uh, tent and come into a tent together and come become one in the flesh. So, you know, and that's just a whole different subject. But I just had to point that out uh because it is an important topic, and uh, anybody lets a child die like that, it's murder. And Jesus didn't approve of it, and Jesus said, obey all laws of the land. So, end well, of story. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, Ted, um, two questions for you, really. Uh, the first one is relevant to what you just talked about, and then I'll ask you one more thing before you go. Um, okay. You know, on, are there laws, though, in some nations that we shouldn't obey? Like if we were, a, uh, if we were in Iran, should we— uh, follow the Islamic law. When Romans 13 and other passages say that every government is established by God. Well, I mean, we all, as a nation, and as uh, obviously we're sitting the, the Word of God, it's the number one selling book in the world for a reason. Uh -huh. um, you know, everything that's been documented, there's proof. You, could, you I mean, it, it, look, look at the parting of the Red Sea. All, all of the uh, pursuing armies are at the bottom of the ocean, Egypt. Um, there's so much evidence, it's unbelievable. They've had detectives uh, look everything <clears throat> up, and they yeah. could they conclusively said that it's true 
Well, so, um, and those armies as, were as, destroyed by God, but they were held accountable by God. That's one of the things I think that we have to remember with governments right. that are that are wicked mm-hmm. is that yes, God ordained them, but they are still accountable to do what's right. And when they when they don't, they get they get nailed. We're running out of time here, uh, Ted. Lots of things to talk about. I got one question for you. You're Ted from the City yeah. of Angels. How you feeling about the Vince Scully thing? Well, I mean, I was a big baseball fan. I loved football. I played 12 years in L.A., nine years for Venice since I was eight, six years for the Venice Bulldogs, three years for the Gondoliers, and two years for Santa Monica College Corsairs, where my parents met. So um, I did play one year for the Pirates, Fenmar Pirates. I didn't like it. It was too slow. Yeah, Vince Scully, though, did you, you feel bad about that today, or how's that affecting you, his passing? He lived a long life. He lived a long life, and he was good with the Lord, and I'm so grateful that he's gone to heaven to be with all the people he talked about when he threw that um, pitch out. And, uh, no, we all got to go. Yep, we do. All right, Ted, appreciate it. We're running out of time here. Thank you for listening and calling. Hey, there's a lot of other topics that we can uh, touch on. If we had more time, we would get to that today. But the good news is is we do have more time. We're on every day from 3 to 5, Southern California Live. Tell your friends, put it on your Facebook to listen. And I think that the conversation that we need to have, if we take something away from the, the Vin Scully story for today, it's that we really can take things from the place of competition where it's our party's going to beat your party or my philosophy will beat your party with votes or with trickery or with whatever it is you want to say in accusations. And we can bring it out of there and actually make progress because we, we listen to each other and we communicate. We're not always going to agree and we should not sacrifice what is true, but we can take some time to really figure out where people are and how do we move together and point people towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel that makes us all equal. It's the gospel that is the solution to all of these things. And uh, we have that, and that's what we're about on this program. If you miss an hour of our program, go to kkla.com, look under the program guide, find Southern California Live, and the podcast is there. You can subscribe. I am Scott Furrow. I'm your host. We're here every day from 3 to 5. I'll see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. God bless you. Have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.